Our first reading from 1 Corinthians 15. For as by a man came death, by a man also has come the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive, but each in his own order. Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end, when he delivers the kingdom of God to the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Why am I in danger every hour? I protest, brothers, by my pride in you, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. I die every day. What do I gain if, humanly speaking, I fought with beasts at Ephesus? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Wake up from your drunken stupor as is right, and do not go on sinning, for some have no knowledge of God. I say this to your shame. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? You foolish person, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that is to be, but the bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or of some other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen, and to each kind of seed its own body. For not all flesh are the same, for there is one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is of one kind, and the glory of the earthly is of another. There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars, for stars differ from star in glory. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown perishable, what is sown is perishable, but what is raised is imperishable. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We rise. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the sixth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? Even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners and get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. 
for with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. We confess. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us pray. Let us thank our God who causes hope to spring up from the ground. Christ is risen, Christ is giving. Life eternal, life profound. Amen. The two readings that we have this evening, first one from 1 Corinthians 15, and then the gospel reading from Luke chapter 6. These are readings that get at core doctrines of the faith. One speaks about the resurrection of the body. The other talks about loving enemies. And throughout the week, as I was thinking about these two readings, I had a hard time trying to figure out which of these two doctrines is harder for us to believe and live out. Given our recent history, it doesn't seem like our faith, especially in these two doctrines, is as rock solid as it could and should be. To be sure, we all confess the resurrection of the dead and the forgiveness of sins. We just did it in the Nicene Creed. But if the last two years have given us anything, it would be a time to demonstrate our belief in these two doctrines. And by that I mean that we don't only think about them as an idea that we have read about, but that we live and act in our lives as if they were true even though we haven't seen them with our eyes. In regard to resurrection, then, Christians should not act as if sickness or death are the worst things that could happen to us. But we know that losing Christ is far worse. And the church down through history has remembered martyrs for this very reason, that they understood, they acted how they did, believing that there was a fate worse than death. And so Paul mentions in our epistle reading this evening that he was in jeopardy daily and that he was willing to put himself in jeopardy daily because he believed in a God who raises the dead. Otherwise, he says, you may as well live it up now. You can eat, drink, get up whatever merriment or pleasure you can today because death is coming and death is the end. But Paul says to live that way would be to live a pitiful life, and that is not the life of those who confess the resurrection. And then in our gospel reading, in regard to those, uh, in regard to loving and forgiving those who have wronged us, well, undoubtedly, this has been a struggle for all of us these last two years. But we see Jesus at the heart of the faith, the reason there is salvation, the reason we have faith at all, at the heart of the faith is the merciful heart of God. Jesus says, God is kind to the unthankful and evil. Therefore, be merciful, just as your Father in heaven also is merciful. Loving, doing good towards, blessing, praying for, forgiving those who have done things that need forgiveness, prayer, love. That is what we have seen God do for us in his son, Christ Jesus. So that is how we are to act. 
I know why these doctrines are so hard for us to believe, why these are so hard for us to live out. Among other things, it has, uh, has to do with wanting to believe our own eyes rather than what we hear from Jesus. It also goes right in line with the old proverb, a bird in hand is better than two in the bush or two in heaven, we might say. Because we too fall into the worldly trap of thinking that this life that we are living right now, this money or whatever blessings that we have right now is all that we may have. So we better keep a tight hold on it. But Jesus says here and elsewhere that that is not true. That even the life we have now is a gift. And we can't extend it even by a little bit. No matter how hard we try to hang on to it, we will all lose this life. Yet Jesus says that he comes that we would have eternal life. And that the life that he gives us after death will be better than the one that we are currently living. Now, Paul writes, we have corruption, we have dishonor, we have weakness. Then, he says, we will have incorruption, we will have glory, we will have power. That the bodies we have will rise to something far exceeding what we now have. And he says it is something like what we now have is like a grain or like a kernel of wheat, but when it dies, when it is planted in the ground, it springs up into a larger plant. As the wealth, Jesus says that the greater treasure is and will be ours. We heard it last week in those Beatitudes from the Sermon on the Plain, as Jesus blesses the poor, and he doesn't bless them with more money, but with a kingdom an entire kingdom for those who hunger, for those who weep now, for those who are excluded and ridiculed now. Jesus promises to give fullness and laughter and heavenly rewards. And as we hear that, and then as we look out at the world around us today, and I don't mean the world out there somewhere in Europe or in the Mideast, or in China. I mean the world around us here now, today. Are there many other teachings that are so at odds with the world's way of thinking and doing things? When, when you think about, see how the world turns things upside down so that what God says and proclaims becomes strange, even distasteful to our minds. If these things that we hear about today, forgiveness, loving our enemies, eternal life, if these things don't sound good to us, then who is in the wrong? And what has come over our minds? Repent. Repent and look and hear what our readings today actually say to us. See that they do not present us with a God who is stingy. They don't present us with a God who is gloomy. They don't present us with a God who is about to drop the hammer the very next second. It's it's quite the opposite. The world is the one that tells you to be stingy with your funds because who knows what the market will do tomorrow. The world tells you to live as if death were right around the corner, so you always constantly need to be afraid. The world teaches you vengeance 
and getting even and cycles of violence. The world is the one preaching doom and gloom because the God presented in our readings today is exactly the opposite of that. Christ says, give, because God loves to give you even more. Christ says, do not fear death because God raises the dead. We already have seen it on Easter Sunday. Christ says, you do not have to get even. You can forgive. God has already forgiven you. He tells us that this world is not all that there is, but that there is a new world coming, a world of life and grace, of laughter and treasures, far beyond those that we currently have now. John tells us in Revelation that in that world that is to come, what we now consider valuable will be common. So he says gold, that's what they paved the streets with there. Precious stones, that's what they used for bricks in their walls. And he says that there, the real treasure and the real joy come from wearing robes that are white because of the blood of the Lamb and of being in the presence of God and the Lamb. And that that world is already a world that we have a glimpse of now, that we participate in now, here, as we gather around Christ. As he tells us in his word what reality is and what he is like. As we gather here around the altar to eat and drink the body and blood of the Lamb, who takes away the sin of the world, including our sins. The doctrines, the teachings that we hear about today, they teach us about the true God. They teach us about the God we believe in. And that is why we confess them. That is why we believe them. That is why we are to live our lives in that way. It is not a teaching of doom and gloom. It's not a teaching of scarcity. It's not a teaching of every man for himself. Rather, it is a teaching of a God of fullness and laughter and life and treasure. A God who gives just as he gave his son. Now to sinful ears, this sounds unbelievable. But God sent his son to die for our sins. He sends out his word. He sends out his spirit so that we would believe. And that by believing we would have life in Jesus' name. And so Christ comes again today. He comes here by word and sacrament that you would have the peace of God, which passes all our understanding and guards and keeps your hearts and minds in the same Christ Jesus forever. Amen.